I've got this story. It's, it's kind of a, big, a bigger story, and, and, and I keep telling it over and over again. In fact, or at least different pieces of it over and over again. Um, you have probably heard it before if you've been around for a while. You will definitely probably hear it again at, at some point, at least different aspects of the same story. One of the aspects of the story I'm going to share right now, and it took place in Athens in, when I was in Athens in 2012, competing in the, no, I wasn't competing in the Olympics. Uh, in, 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 in 2012, I was in Athens at a missionary conference, and it was a time of prayer, and during that time of prayer, I had a very unique moment, and I, and I, and I saw Jesus in my mind, and, and he was in front of me, and, and, and he asked me this question, and then showed me the answer. That I, I believed, not what I knew was true, but what I believed in my heart. And they were different. And the question that Jesus asked me is, what makes you worthy? Meaning, what makes you worthy of grace? What makes you worthy of my forgiveness? What makes you worthy of, of heaven someday? What makes you, makes you worthy? And, and I'm going to know the right answer, but Jesus showed me this true and secret answer that, that, I, that I think deep down in my heart at, at different times. And, and he showed me this parade of things passing by from this way to this way. This parade of things passing by. And, and, and things that I, I, I knew weren't true, but like maybe, maybe oh, because, because I, I, I did this good thing or because I, I didn't do that other thing or because I'm not nearly as bad as this person or that person or, 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 or that other person or, or because I'm a pastor. You know, that should give me some grace points, right? Or, or, or missionary, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way though, sadly. But I saw this parade of things passing by and, and just answering like things in my heart. I mean, I understood that when I gave my, I understand when I give my life to Jesus, then it's all Jesus. But then after a few years, after a few decades, sometimes you start to think, okay, I, I've earned a little bit of right to stand here. And, and I was seeing that in my heart. I was seeing this parade of things. Why, why, why do I still have grace? Why, why do I get grace and forgiveness and, and, and uh, even heaven someday with God? You know, if Jesus were to ask you the same question, if he was to ask you, why are you worthy? Why are you worthy of grace? Why are you worthy of forgiveness? Why are you worthy of heaven someday? What, what do you think would, would be the true answer if Jesus was going to pull it out of your heart and, and, and so that you could see sometimes what you really believe? I mean, you might know that this isn't the right answer, but what you really believe. Would you have a parade of things like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm better than my, my flatmate. I'm better than, than this person. I... I, I I've done these good things. I've, I've, I've avoided these other things. I've tried to follow Jesus well. You know, do good, don't hurt nobody. That, that, sort, of, that sort of thing. What, what kind of things would parade by? Or some of you would be like, nothing would parade by. I, I, don't, I, don't even, I, I don't even think God would ever give me grace or forgiveness because I am an awful person. I've done, I've done this awful thing. I've done that awful thing. I, I've, 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 been, I've been horrible and, and, and I, everybody's better than me. I'm like the worst person. Some of you, you might have a, a pretty low view of yourself. Uh, you know, I, I've, uh, I, yeah, I've experienced this and that. If you were to ask Jesus, or if Jesus was to ask you, what, what makes you worthy of grace or heaven someday, what, what might your heart answer be? For me, I saw this parade go by, and I remember watching it thinking, okay, I know that this isn't the right answer. I know this, but sometimes I know that I, maybe I feel a little bit that way. I feel a little bit extra confident because of this, this thing or that thing. For some reason, maybe, sometimes I maybe feel like I do deserve a little bit of that. But after everything passed by in this parade, uh, there was nothing left. 
and it was just Jesus there. And he asked me again the question, what makes you worthy? And he says, just me. Just me. Family, that is the gospel, not just for the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, but for your whole life. For, for your whole life. There's nothing that you can do, past, present, and future, to be worthy of grace or forgiveness or, 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 or to be in heaven someday. And also, conversely, there, there's nothing that, that, you can, that you can do that will mean that you can't receive grace or can't receive mercy or, or can't receive heaven someday. There's no sin too bad, no addiction too, too horrible that you can't receive grace and forgiveness if you give your life to Jesus Anyone can give their lives to Jesus. Anyone from any background, any baggage, any sexuality, any, any, uh, any sin, any enslavement, any mistakes, all can be 100% forgiven by God through Jesus because of what he accomplished on the cross. The great message of the Bible is it's all Jesus. No one is worthy. Jesus is the only worthy one, and he makes his people worthy, those who give their lives to him. We, we've been going through the, the book of Revelation, and we've come across this, this great gospel over, over different moments as we've, as we've gone through this book. Uh, the, we're in the last book of the Bible. If you're new here or visiting, basically the book of Revelation is this amazing revelation of Jesus, of how good he is, how great he is, and how powerful he is, and specifically this revelation of how we're going to get, how Jesus is going to get us from here to there. How, how Jesus is going to get us from here to where he has promised that he is going to take humanity. From here, this world that's broken, this world that's messed up, this world with so much evil, with so much selfishness, so much greed, so much anger, so much control, so much abuse. A world that's, that's dying. It, it, it's dying because, of, you know, rainforests are being disappearing and, uh, and uh, ice is melting and all this kind of stuff. The, the, a world that doesn't believe in God. A world that doesn't, a world that mocks people in our culture who don't, who, who do believe in God or who would believe that God created. Uh, in other parts of the world, people who would, who would be, be killed or persecuted or, or, uh, or harassed severely for, for believing that. How, how do we get from here, this world as it is, as messed up as it is, as God hating as it is, as God rejecting as it is, it is to there? Which is every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth, the sea and all that is in it, praising God, adoring God, um, uh, worshiping God, following God. How do we get from here to there? That's basically the story that we've been looking at here in the, in the book of, of Revelation. And throughout this book, we keep seeing Jesus calling people to repent. To, to repent and, and, and to be saved. And, and people yet, they keep refusing. They keep saying, no, no. They keep wanting their own way and their, their, hearts, their hearts become harder and harder. Uh, last week in our study, we ended with Judgment Day. We ended with that day where, where God basically draws a line and he says, it is now done. And on that final day, everybody stands before God. And, and yeah, the heaven and earth, they're done away with and, done away with, and we, we, everybody has to give an account for their lives. The books are opened. What's in the books? All the deeds of, of, of our lives. 
deeds and motives. And, and, and on that day when, when we go through those deeds, you know, the good deeds, the bad deeds or whatever, no one is going to be staring at this perfectly perfect, amazing, holy God and this glorious glimpse maybe into eternity and thinking, yes, I deserve heaven with this perfect one. No one's going to be thinking that. But there's not just these books. There is another book. One book. And in that book, like I said last week, is only names, no deeds. No deeds, just names. No deeds, just names. And, and, that's, and that's also the gospel. When it comes to grace and forgiveness and heaven someday, the deeds don't matter. No deeds, just names. All that matters is, is your name in that book? And how do you get your name in that book? It's to believe in Jesus, to dedicate your life to Jesus, to receive that free gift of grace and forgiveness and, and heaven someday. That's, that's what we talked about last week. And we, we came to this point where it was six out of sevens then I saws. And, and we, we ended with that sixth one last week. And then this, and today, now we begin with this, the seventh then I saw, which is, which is eternity with God. Today we're going to be talking about heaven Mm, a bit, but really what we're going to be talking about is eternity with God. Let's, let's look at this. I'm in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation, uh, starting in the first verse of chapter 21. Uh, and, and we're going to be, when, I, when we look at this, and as we're, we're taking a glimpse of eternity, what I want to just say is, whatever we look at today, it's going to be far better. Okay? It's going to be far better even than this. But, but here's what we read. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Okay, so we talked about that last week. That was done. That was done. Now, I, I want to make a, a biblical truth that sometimes people only hold half, half of this as true, but the whole thing is both true and needs to be held on to tightly. Biblical truth number one. This world is not going to last, but we're still called to take care of it. This world's not going to last, but we're still called to take care of it. Every scientist and theologian ought to agree on that point. The world isn't going to last, but we, we still ought to take care of it. Although all through the book of Revelation, we read about the final destruction of the earth. Now we learn that there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And, and that the end of the earth isn't, isn't the end. Now, I grew up in, a, in an area where, where we heard a lot about this, this phrase, uh, it's all going to burn, which is true. That's, that's from uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. It's all going to burn, but then grossly misapplied. And, and because it's all going to burn, that means we don't have to worry about taking good care of the earth. It's all going to be destroyed anyways which is a horrible misapplication of a biblical truth. God doesn't tell you it's all going to end someday so you can live selfishly and wreck the, the planet that he's, that he's given us. In fact, God has given humanity a mandate to, to cultivate the earth, to, 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 to rule over the earth in, in a cultivating good way. And, and if, as long as we are here, as long as there's people on this planet, we carry a God-given mandate to, to do good and to, to cultivate this earth. And, and just because we know how it's going to end doesn't get us out of our mandate. So we've got to hold both in, both intention there. Uh, let, let's keep reading. There's a, there's a lot to talk about today when it comes to heaven. Uh, it says, I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. 
Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Now, this has been promised all through the Bible. There has been so many moments in the Old Testament and the New Testament where God just keeps throwing out, this is the someday vision. And here in Revelation chapter 21, it's finally fully happening here. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. Anyone who understands what it is to suffer, who's felt suffering. Anyone who understands pain or grief. Like deep grief, the, the anguish, the heart-rending anguish of, uh, of evil. Of evil, who've just felt like this disappointed and frustrated and, and angry and just felt like life is just so against you, uh, abuse or whatever. Anyone who understands in this life uh, the, the, how horrible grief is, these words are like the most hope-giving words in all, in all of heaven. I love this, this description of eternity. It says, the first thing God wants you to know is like, there's no more death. There's no more grief. There's no more crying. There's, there's no more pain. All of that stuff is over forever. And when I, when I read those words, I'm like, sign me up. Who cares if the streets are gold? I love the idea of no more pain. I love the idea of no more grief. I don't care what it looks like. If that's how it's going to be, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to live in a grass hut. I mean, I'm just not, I'm not saying anything. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I'd have, you know, was, uh, who cares about if it's that magnificent? I love how it starts in this description about heaven. No more pain. God, God promises that he's going to make it all new. Without, without the brokenness of what is now. And, and it's hard for us to grasp because it's so foreign to our reality because our li lives are so full of brokenness and pain and, and suffering and grief and all that sort of things. And tears. And yet Jesus said, no, you can count on this to be true. Faithful and true. Write it down. It's faithful and true. I also love it here how there, there's a sense that God is, is present. He's visible wiping away uh, tears from our eyes. He was going to live and dwell amongst us. Not, not this sense of a God being invisible and, 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 and somewhere out there or whatever, or, but, but instead one who can be seen, one who is present, one who is present. Let's keep going. Uh, these words are faithful and true. Verse 6, then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the Second death. Okay, now this comes back to the repeated question, who can, who can inherit this incredible place? Who gets to be a part of this incredible place? Well, well we find out the, the door is, is wide open to the thirsty. 
to those who, to those who want it, that freely given, freely given for those who thirst, uh, freely given to those who, who, um, who conquer, those who overcome, those who keep going, those who don't give up. The, the one who doesn't turn, uh, give in to the pressures of this world or, or, or turn away in, in unbelief. Those who keep going in faith, they, they, they definitely get this place. Who doesn't get this place? Again, theologically, we understand that it's not deeds and only, na- and only names. We understand that Paul writes in, in other passages about like who, who's not going to be in heaven. And he writes this big list of all these evil, sinful things. And then he says, but that's what some of you were, but then you were washed. You got to remember that this is, this is, these are the attributes of those who are not submitted to Jesus. It, if you've told a lie, all liars, if you've told a lie, praise God for grace, right? Praise God for his forgiveness. But when I look at this list here, I see that the first thing on the list is who doesn't get in? Cowards. Does that surprise you? You're like, okay, murderers. Yeah, okay. Uh, cow- sorcerers? Mm, I don't know. I'm feeling sorry for Harry, but... Uh, but, but all the liars, was that too far? Did I just offend everybody? It's just fiction. Oh, did I offend just more people? Oh, man. Oh, goodness. But, but the cowards, cowards. Family, God keeps saying all through the Bible, all, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Cowards don't usually follow Jesus very well because God calls us to do things that, that require us to, to, to be a bit courageous. Tell people about Jesus. Uh, I don't want to. Um, don't, do, don't give in to that peer pressure. Oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, I, I want you to make this life change, but I don't know if that's going to go well. Hey, cowards have the most hardest time trusting Jesus and, and, and following him. And so God just continually encourages us to be strong and very courageous, to be bold. The Acts church in Acts chapter 4 prays for boldness so that they can be testifying. It's, it's always been a part of, of God's people being, being strong and that call, call to courage. Courage is a big deal. If it's not your strong suit, just be like, God, grant me courage. Fill me with courage. Fill me with courage. So I can walk in your ways with gutsy faith. With gutsy, gutsy faith. Okay, so for those who believe in Jesus, who've given their life to Jesus, we, we get into heaven, or we get, in, get into eternity with God. Let's, let's read about this, this, um, this the new Jerusalem. Um, new Jerusalem. It says this in verse 9. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had, who had held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Then he, he then carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. I just, it's easy to miss that. Arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a precious jewel, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The city had a massive high wall. We'll talk about that in a second. With 12 gates. 12 angels were at the gates. And the the names of the 12 tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were three gates to the east, three on the gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. The city wall had 12 foundations. And the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb were on the foundations. The one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city, its gates, and and its wall. The city is laid out in a square. We're going to find out it's actually a cube. It's a cube. But lay down in a square. Its length and width are the same. Thank you for the definition of a square. Okay. 
He measured the city with the rod at 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal, thus cube. Uh, then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the human measurement. Thank you for not using the angel measurement. Cubit, something about this long, you know, maybe 240-some feet or something like that, uh, thick. Uh, maybe 200-something feet. Uh, which the angel, the building material of its wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first foundation is jasper, the second sapphire. Okay, I'm not going to be able to read all these. Some of them I'll just nod, and you can see the word, and you can be like, huh. Brian, I've tried this now. This is now my fourth effort on these, and some of them I'm just not going to try anymore. You would think after the fourth time, I would just have asked somebody how to pronounce these. Never got there. It's a big day. Uh, Sapphire, the third, uh, yeah, Chancellor Donny, yeah, the fourth, Emerald, the, the fifth, Sard Sardonyx, mm -hmm. uh, sixth, Carnelian, the seventh, uh, Chrysolite, the eighth, Beryl, the ninth, Topaz, the, the tenth is crazy, Chrysoprase, yeah, something like that. The 11th is Jacinth, Jacinth, okay. The 12th is Amethyst. It's hard being up here reading, just, okay. The 12 gates are 12 pearls. Pearls, got that one. That's great, we're back on track here. Uh, each individual gate was made of a single pearl. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is the lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day because it will never be night there. there will be, they, they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those written and the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, so um, I, I tend to think of this as, as, as imagery, not necessarily precision. I understand that it's being, being measured out. Um, if it is precise to get a sense of the scope of the city that we're talking about here, uh, you're, you're talking a cube. And so if you're starting here, you would, the, the first wall going that direction uh, goes from here to Malaga, Spain. The wall going that direction goes from here, 80 miles past and south of St. Petersburg, Russia. The other wall, they join at Corfu, Greece. That, that's the sign there. And then it's cubed. So you go uh, 1,323 miles up into the air, and the satellites are not happy with that. Uh, we're, we're talking this, this massive, this massive city, uh, and maybe, maybe that's how it is, maybe that's how it is, or maybe the message here is, is just reinforcing how, how safe, you've got this massive thick wall that's going up, how safe heaven is going to be, how, how, how safe and secure you are going to be in eternity, and, and that's a big deal to the early church who's being persecuted, and, and, and all this stuff is being either, either, uh, you know, taken, or they're being, yeah, they're not living in safety and security. Sometimes they have to leave towns and all this kind of stuff. To get this message that eternity is safe and secure, that there is no threat, there's nothing to be afraid of. I mean, everybody would love to live in a reality where there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. 
where you are as safe as it is possible to be. In fact, it doesn't even cross your mind to be worried. That, that your environment is just, it's just, it's just safe, safe, safe. And that's part of the, the joy of heaven. N nothing to be afraid of. You can read more about the imagery of this city in Ezekiel chapter 40 and following uh, those chapters. Um, but, you, you know, you look at the beauty and the perfection of this place. And as I kind of mentioned before, I, I'm, just, I'm so much more captivated by the, f the safety and the security and, and, and how there's no more grief and crying. But, but still, there, there's such a description of, 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 the, of the beauty that there's no expense spared. We aren't serving this stingy God. We, we're, we are serving this master, masterful God who is this brilliant uh, craftsman who doesn't just build a strong city but a beautiful city. Loves the aesthetic of this, and you just see, uh, yeah, no expense spared. The most magnificent of things being used. Uh, also the imagery of light only, no darkness. And what we see here at the end of the Bible here is that this is far, we, this is far better than Eden. This is far better than the beginning, Eden. Uh, everything about eternity is better than, than it was in, in the Garden of Eden. We've gone from garden to the most beautiful city ever. We, we, we go from God walking in the garden in the cool of the, cool of the day to, to God living permanently, dwelling in the midst of, of, of this, the city. And, and maybe my favorite bit, when it comes to Eden, in Eden, Adam and Eve, they, they were there and they were, they were uncorrupted until they were tempted and then they fell. But... In this eternal city, we, we discover from, from 1 Peter, we discover that we're not, we don't go to heaven uncorrupted or even decorrupted. We go to heaven incorruptible. And that is an incredible truth that it, you are not able to be corrupted in eternity. That's far better than what Adam had. He was able to be. He was able to be, and ultimately, uh, he, he fell. But the second Adam uh, creates a much different place. Uh, another thing I find com comforting here, um, we hear a lot about heaven, and I've kind of used that term uh, loosely and inaccurately through this chat here. Uh, when we think about heaven, you know, you, you die and you go to heaven. You know, you hear that, and, that, and that's accurate. And going through the book of Revelation, we've seen um, gl glimpses of heaven. We've seen the throne room of God in heaven. We've seen elders there worshiping. We've seen um, thousands and thousands of people worshiping. We've seen um, martyrs crying out under the altar uh, for, for God's, you know, how long, O Lord. We've seen celebration in heaven. Uh, we've seen people in heaven. But notice at the very end of the book, at the end of the book, after Judgment Day, things shift again. And then there's no more heaven and no more earth. And then there's a new heaven and a new earth. And people end up, they were in heaven, then they end up on earth. They end up on earth. And God there dwells among us there. And I think that's, I think that's pretty comforting. We're created. We're created for, for earth. And, and it makes a little bit more sense. The idea of, okay, clouds and, and harp and, 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 and all that, whatever worship services forever. And I'm sure worship will be going on in heaven forever. But also when you're seeing these glimpses of the new earth and in eternity with God, you, you're, you're very aware that there, are, there seems to be uh, peace and purpose. Like, like some of the rewards uh, of, of, you know, you see nations gathering. And you, you see hints of Jesus talking about um, rewards being oversight and leadership and, and, and things like that. Uh, the, the new earth seems a lot, 
uh, like a lot easier for our minds to kind of grab on to. We're made of the dust of the earth. We're going to be people uh, in new bodies in, in, the, in the new earth. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I find that comforting. Didn't, didn't need to be that way, but, but I like it. Yay, God, good plan. <laughs> as, I, uh, as I said in the beginning, though, uh, how do you get to eternity with God? No deeds, just names. But when it comes to your experience in eternity, actually deeds quite a bit matter now. Uh, because Jesus is so clear about rewards. He's so clear about being faithful. He's so clear about storing up treasures in heaven. Uh, when, it, when it comes to that, deeds do majorly matter, just not about getting in. Uh, let, let's keep reading here. It says in this verse, uh, chapter 22, it says, then, then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the city's main street, the, the tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit. This is an extraordinary tree. 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The themes, the words, peacefulness, life, healing, no longer any curse, all light, no darkness. They will reign for forever and ever. I, I love every bit of this passage. Eternity with God, peace, security, joy, beauty, with just with Godness. It's, it, it's amazing. No darkness. No curses, no grief, no pain. Even, even if this wasn't just the only option besides lake of fire, it would still be the one that everyone would long for. It's like, yes, that is what I want. I want an existence without those, 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 those things, and I want an existence with God and, and peace and, and, and joy and no pain. It sounds too good to be true. In fact, so much of where, where God is taking humanity and, and where he's taking the future, it does seem too good to be true. And, this, and that's why for the second time, we read this reinforcement of something in case doubts are going to try and cry, crop into your mind. Like, is, is this whole eternity thing really real? It says in verse 6 here, it says, Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. It's the second time it's been said in just, the last, in just these verses that we've looked at today. These words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servant what must soon take place. These words are true. This is God's ideal destination for you. This is, this is, how, this is where God wants you to, to be. In, in eternity with him. How do you get there? God gave you away by believing in Jesus. By giving your life to him, by obeying him as your king and your savior, it guarantees your name is going to be in Jesus' book. 
This is the story of the Bible. This is God's great answer to how he is going to fully and forever deal with all the evil, put an end to all the evil, and bring about a glorious existence like you can only dream that you, you have a hard time believing is, is actually true because it's so amazing and so, so extraordinary. It, it, we get, it's where we get to see, okay, there are genuine rewards for following Jesus. It's worth it. It's worth uh, standing, uh, walking with Jesus all the days of our lives. Not being cowardly, but instead trusting and, and moving forward in boldness in our generation. This book was written to encourage you in difficult days. This book was written to encourage you in maybe the darkest moments of your life. Encourage you to, to, to keep going when you feel afraid, to keep going when, when, when life just seems horrible. This book is, is here to, to, to tell you to keep going when you want to give up, to keep pushing on when you're maybe struggling with, with doubts and, and, and fear. This book was, lit, was written to uh, encourage you to keep going, and it was written to help you know why to keep going. Why do you keep going in the hardest of days? Because God has this amazing, glorious reward and future for you. It's true. Write it down. These words are faithful and true. So don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give in to fear. Keep, keep living with boldness, telling people about Jesus. Keep living radical for Jesus with gutsy faith, with gutsy faith. If you believe this stuff here, if, if you believe what we've just read here about eternity, if you believe that this is really real, then we have the greatest message ever. We have the greatest message ever to tell people. It's not just, it's not just Get, don't go to the lake of fire. The, it's, the, the future in this direction is so stunningly amazing. It's worth everything. It's worth going for. It's, it's, it's not only essential for people to know, but it's also a great message that we've been entrusted with. Eternity with God forever. So my challenge is this, and it's actually a really easy challenge. Uh, you might feel like throwing up in your mouth a little bit, but it's not, it's not that hard. Uh, have a conversation this week about heaven with someone who doesn't believe in God. And you're thinking, that sounds awful. No, no, no. Actually, this is a pretty easy one. Uh, a lot of people have thoughts about heaven. A lot of people have thoughts about heaven. And um, th there's lots of ways to, to steer conversations that way. Um, and you, you want to, like, what do you think about heaven? People have thoughts. People have thoughts. It's really, they might have terrible thoughts, and you're like, okay, so that's your thoughts. My thoughts are these. Mine come from the Bible. Yours come from, you're made up. Uh, or, or yours are from the good place, which is, uh, oh, I don't want to give away the plot. Anyways, uh, yeah, ha have a conversation. Have a conversation about heaven. And, you know, I encourage you to pray about it beforehand and see, see if God will really use that to get them thinking, to get someone thinking about God and eternity in heaven.